Have you ever been afraid? Growing up and even today, one of the things that I was afraid of was public speaking. I remember when we were required to stand in front of the class to recite a poem or give a speech, I would dread it and I would end up staring at the ceiling or the wall the whole time. I was afraid. Public speaking is just one of the many fears that people have. According to a survey I have read, the most common fears of people include fear of heights, fear of failure, losing a loved one, ghosts, fear of spiders, of clowns, enclosed spaces, and even cockroaches. Someone said that fear is one of the greatest enemies. If we don't know how to handle it, it can paralyze us, it can destroy us, and it can prevent us from doing and accomplishing great things. But fear can also turn out for our own good, for a greater faith, especially when we know how to overcome it. Today, we are going to study Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33, the miraculous walking on the water, and discover how we can have faith that overcomes our fear. Matthew 14 is considered one of the defining moments in the lives of the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. This will be their turning point as they will be witnessing firsthand the power that is in the hands of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. At this point in the ministry of Jesus, the disciples have not fully understood the lordship and the divinity of Jesus. And while the disciples had been with Jesus ministering to other people, they themselves at this point in their journey had not fully recognized or fully acknowledged the identity of Jesus as God. And Jesus would use this opportunity, this situation in Matthew 14 as the platform through which he would reveal himself to the disciples and through which the disciples would understand clearly the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. How can we handle fear? And how can we overcome our fears with faith? Many times in our life, we also face fear. We fear for a variety of reasons. We fear for our lives. We fear the unknown. We fear tomorrow. We fear other people. We fear being alone. We fear evil, our health. And we fear and become afraid of nearly anything, whether real or imagined. And the question we ask is, how can we overcome these fears with faith? I hope and pray that as we study God's Word today, God will speak to us life-giving words that will enable us to overcome our fears so that we can live faithfully, joyfully, and fearlessly in the midst of our most fearful situations. Faith that overcomes fears, number one, is a faith that recognizes God's divine wisdom, believing that He knows where you are. Verse 22, Immediately, Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side, while He sent the multitude away. And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. Now when evening came, He was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. One of the things that will help strengthen our faith is when we realize that our God knows. His divine knowledge includes both insight, what is currently going on, and foresight, how it will end. Our passage clearly exposes this reality. It says in verse 22, Jesus made His disciples get into the boat. He compelled them and needed them to get into the boat for them to go on ahead to the other side without Him. 
Notice, it was Jesus who intentionally and deliberately made them go on a boat ride without Him. This should be no problem at all, as the disciples themselves were experienced fishermen who were already accustomed to the waters of the sea. They would know how to navigate the sea. What they didn't know was that Jesus was about to use this boat ride to teach them and to show them His power in a whole new way. Although Jesus had already shown the disciples that He could heal diseases, cast out demons, He had spoken to them in parables about what it means to be a disciple of Christ, He had already performed the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, yet the disciples have not fully recognized or fully acknowledged the identity of Jesus as God. In fact, according to a parallel passage in Mark chapter 6, verse 52, the disciples had not even understood the significance of the miracles of the loaves and the fish because their hearts were hardened. When I was studying this passage, I was wondering, why would Jesus make the disciples go on ahead without Him? Why didn't He just stay with them? Because He made them go ahead and go before Him as if He had already planned something in mind. This is not the go-ahead we tell our friends and not show up afterwards. This instruction to go ahead gives us a hint that Jesus had the intention to meet them afterwards. He knew what He was doing all along in the lives of the disciples. This was an intentional setup so that He could reveal His power and divine character to the disciples. This was another chance for Jesus to teach His disciples about who He really is. Verse 23, so after Jesus sent the multitudes away, he spent some time alone at the mountain to pray. This was as a regular part of the life of Jesus and while the disciples were traveling on the boat by themselves. Everything seemed okay and fine until verse 24, it was nighttime. And the disciples find themselves in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, being tossed by the waves because of the boisterous waves and the violent winds that had developed. We are not sure if this intense weather condition suddenly took place or if it intensified gradually. What we are sure of is that it's not a good and safe feeling to be in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and under such circumstances. You know, being in the middle of the sea, it meant that they were estimatedly three and a half miles or 5.5 kilometers, which is approximately from here, Grace Christian Church, to Fisher Mall in QAV. And even if they were fishermen, their distance, location, plus weather conditions would make it difficult for the disciples to swim back to shore. Remember that the disciples were there not because they were being punished for a sin that they had committed, but because they had followed Jesus. It was Jesus who made them go there in the first place. And yet, even when they were following Jesus, they still experienced these challenges and dangers. Contrary to popular prosperity gospel teachings, the truth here is that faithful obedience does not exempt anyone from the challenges and difficulties of life. Because sometimes Jesus does not just allow us to go through storms, sometimes He sends us in it. Not to bring us to repentance, not to make our lives harder, but to allow us the opportunity to know Him on a deeper level. God also sends us to these boat ride situations. Sometimes, God send, sends us to boat rides that are blessed, fun, and chill, and we are grateful for those. 
But there are times when life's twists and turns shock and surprise us, and we feel alone and abandoned. We scramble and we struggle. You know, many times we can't even answer why. We don't know why we are in the midst of such situations. We don't know, we can't explain, and we don't want to try to explain. And people ask, why would God let us be in this situation? And we just don't know the answer. In 2016, God also sent me, not to a literal, but to a similar boat ride experience. I was active in our church's sports ministry, using basketball as an avenue to connect to others, when all of a sudden, during one of the games at our church league, I completely tore my Achilles tendon. This injury disrupted so many things in my life. I had, to, I had to rush to the hospital. I had to undergo surgery. I had to use crutches and a special boot for many months. I had to go through plenty of sessions of rehab and therapy, do lots of exercises to regain the lost muscle due to atrophy. And as such, I struggled. Not only physically, but also emotionally and mentally. I kept thinking, why did this happen? I was serving God and yet I got injured. I wasn't able to play basketball or any sport for around a year. It affected my mobility and my normal day-to-day functions as well. During those times, I was also asking the Lord, why would He allow me to go through such an experience? And to be honest, I really did not know why. I wasn't sure and it was beyond my understanding. But there is one thing I knew and I can be sure of and that is my God in His divine and infinite wisdom, knows what He is doing. That He is a God who knows my situation. The God of heaven knows my condition. And faith that overcomes fear is based not on me understanding everything, but one that trusts in God. That even when we don't know the what and the whys, we can choose to trust His divine wisdom because He knows us. And even today, He wants us to be reminded that He knows. He knows you. Therefore, we will not give up. We will keep on trusting the God who knows us. Faith that overcomes our fears is a faith that recognizes God's divine wisdom, believing that He knows where you are. Faith that overcomes our fears, number two, is a faith that relies on God's divine care and protection trusting that He comes and helps you at His right timing. Verse 25 to 26, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. One of the things that will help strengthen our faith is when we choose to trust and believe that God cares for His people and that He will come to them that need Him at His right timing. By this time, the disciples have been very tired. They started their boat ride in the evening, which was around 6 p.m. And it is now, according to verse 25, the fourth watch, which was around 3 to 6 a.m., meaning they had been on this boat ride for around nine hours already and Jesus was not with them, not yet. As the disciples struggled in the middle of the sea during the dark times of the day, we see Jesus do something that the disciples have never seen before, and that is to walk on water. We know that we aren't supposed to be able to walk on water because it is naturally and scientifically impossible. But that is what God is good at. He makes the seemingly impossible possible. 
Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, With men, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. As D.L. Moody says, God doesn't expect the impossible from us. He wants us to expect the impossible from Him. I believe that God put His disciples in this situation because He wanted His disciples to see firsthand that He is above and beyond the laws of nature, logic, science, and our own imaginations and expectations. God did this so that the disciples could solidify their faith and trust Him on a deeper level because they have experienced that He is the God who not only provides and protects His people, but more so one who cares for them. In my years of service to the Lord, you know, one of the most common questions uh, which people, especially the youth, ask is this, Pastor, do you believe in ghosts? Or are you afraid of ghosts? They were referring to the horror, the spirit entities or the spirit beings that many are afraid of. And I would say I am not afraid of those, I think. Apparently, in our text today, the disciples thought they saw a ghost. Since this is their first time to see someone walk on water, their reaction in verse 26 was, I would say, understandable. They cried out in fear and were afraid. Imagine Peter, whose name means the rock, crying out in fear, not because they might die in the waters, but because they thought they were seeing a ghost, a spirit walking on water. Seems pretty much like our reaction whenever we are in horror situations. We panic and we scream in fear. You couldn't blame them because no one has ever walked on water. During those times, many actually believed that the ghosts of those who drowned at sea hovered over the sites of their death, much like what we hear from ancient folklore, where the spirits of people who drowned in the sea, in the water, or in the swimming pool are hunting for people so that they can pull them down and drown them. How tragic. Imagine of all the times that you could see a ghost, you think you are seeing one when you are in the middle of a darkness and a turbulent sea, trying to figure out how to survive and safely reach the shore. Many times in our life, we are also afraid, especially when we are placed in situations that test us beyond our own limits and capabilities. Situations that cause us to be fearful and afraid for a variety of reasons. We fear tomorrow. We fear because we are being attacked. We fear because we do not know if we will make it through. We fear different people. We fear because we feel as if God has abandoned us. He seems silent. We fear the unknown. We fear if we will be treated well. We fear for our lives. We fear for our loved ones. We fear that we won't have enough provisions for the day. That is why throughout scriptures, the comforting reminder from God to God's people is always, fear not. And they said there are about 365 fear nots in the Bible, which is enough for, for each day of the year. When Joshua and the Israelites were trapped in the Red Sea, the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army behind them, they had no way out. They thought they were going to die. And the word of the Lord that comes to them at this moment was, Fear not. David, when he was captured by the Philistines, he became afraid. And he wrote Psalm 56. He says, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. 
Mary in the New Testament, when she was given the privilege to bear the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, she was afraid because she was engaged to Joseph and people might think of her negatively. The word of the Lord came to her and said, Fear not. Fears and troubles are real and normal experiences in our lives. They can be good or bad. When our fears are out of control, they destroy our lives. But when we control and overcome our fears with faith, they can be good. In fact, many times, they become God's tool and platform to solidify our faith and for us to realize that we can trust God in times of fear because He helps and cares for His people. Last month in our house, I was surprised to see a stray adult cat hiding underneath our sofa. We usually don't like stray cats to be inside our house because we find it irritating whenever they would mess with our food and we find it hard to clean up whenever they defecate. So when I was thinking of how to let the cat out, I was hesitant and afraid because it did not look friendly and welcoming at all. So instead of just using my bare hands to make the cat go out, I got a stick of a mop and used it to try to poke and make the cat go out the door. To my shock, the cat had other plans. It started to run around the house and I had no choice but to follow after it. After a few minutes of chasing the cat around, I finally got it cornered and I felt relieved because I thought it would just surrender and go out calmly. However, to my shock, it became defensive and it growled and it posted like it was ready to attack me at any moment. I was wise, of course. I didn't want any trouble or hassle or cat-related injuries. So I called our house helper to help me get the cat out of the house. And she did. She came and she gently led the cat out of the house. When I needed help, I knew who to call. Sometimes we fear and need help also. In those situations, we know who we can always call on to and who is always ready to come alongside us. That is our God who walks on water. Faith that overcomes fear is a faith that relies on God's divine care and protection, trusting that He comes and helps you at the right time. Number three, faith that overcomes our fears is a faith that rests on God's divine presence, realizing that His presence with us is the basis to carry on even in the midst of life's most terrifying situations. Verse 27 says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. One of the things that will help strengthen our faith is when we realize that God is with His people and that His presence is the basis, the foundation for why we can remain steady, calm, and faithful despite the circumstances. In one of the most difficult moments in the lives of the disciples, Jesus came to them and calmed their fearful and troubled souls with an assurance that He is with them. He identifies Himself as, It is I. The one in charge, the God who controls nature, who is faithful and true, He is with you. His words of comfort and assurance to wipe away their fears centered not on changes or improvements in the circumstances. Notice the weather conditions didn't change, not on solutions, but His words of comfort and assurance centered solely on His character, on His identity, on His deity, on His presence that is with them. 
These three profound, life-giving, courage-building, fear-dissolving phrases Jesus gave to the disciples, I believe, continue to apply to our fearful and troubled hearts even today. He continues to speak to us, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. This does not mean that we are to go out fearlessly and start to recklessly do things, but it means that no matter our situation in life, we know where to find strength and where to draw enough courage, and it is in the fact that God is with us. When Jesus identified himself, it is I, what does this imply? He was revealing his identity to the disciples. It was as if saying, you can now stop worrying, stop being afraid, relax. In his presence, you know, we can rest, we can calm down your fears, be safe, because no matter the situation, God stays with us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, in the literal translation, it says, I will never leave you. No, no, never, never will I forsake you. The psalmist in Psalm 23 knows this very well. He says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And now Peter, together with the disciples, will know this life-giving presence of God in Matthew chapter 14. Years ago, I attended a birthday event one time. It was a big gathering of relatives, friends, and loved ones because they were celebrating their dad's 50th birthday. I remember the celebration program included singing, words of tribute, and appreciation from the family, and so on. Food was great, and the program was going smoothly until it came to the part where the family was, go was saying special words of thanks and well wishes to their dad. Everyone was intently listening to the speeches when suddenly, the loud cry of a baby filled the place and overcame the words of the person speaking. Everyone's focus shifted away from the stage and onto the baby that was crying frantically. In panic, Dayaya and some other relatives quickly came to the baby, trying to distract and play tricks, hoping to console and to make her stop crying. They tried and tried, but all the more, the baby's cry grew louder. Until finally, the mother who went to the CR came back. She held her in her arms and said, Don't cry, baby, mommy is here. That the baby finally stopped crying. When the disciples were panicking and crying in fear, Jesus came and told them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Life can sometimes be terrifying, and his words to the disciples still ring true to us today. He says to you and me, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Our faith can overcome our fears when we understand that it is only in God's presence, the presence of the Almighty, that we can enjoy rest even in the midst of fearful and difficult situations because we know that He is all we need. As Alexander McLaren puts it, peace comes not in the absence of trouble, but from the presence of our Almighty God. Faith that overcomes our fears is a faith that rests on God's divine presence, realizing that His presence with us is the basis to carry on even in the midst of life's most terrifying situations. Number four, Faith that overcomes our fears is a faith that responds to God's divine power, acknowledging that He rightfully deserves our utmost obedience and wholehearted worship. 
Look with me in verses 28 to 33. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. One of the things that will help strengthen our faith is when we acknowledge God, His presence, His faithfulness, and His power in our lives. And our only fitting response to Him is to go all out to fearlessly follow and wholeheartedly worship Him. In response to Jesus' identification of Himself, Peter makes a bold request, a remarkable demonstration of faith. Peter asked Jesus to command him to come to him, which meant that Peter would also do the impossible, which was to walk on water. I was thinking, what would make Peter request something like this? He could have just requested for Jesus to calm the storm and just safely reach the shore. But instead, Peter wanted to attempt the impossible. And this desire or request would eventually allow Peter to experience a miracle of a lifetime. He understood what George Mueller said, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Courageous and overcoming faith is one that is willing to take on the challenge. And Peter wanted to come to Jesus. Perhaps he was thinking that it is better to be with Jesus in the water than to be safely in the boat without him. As Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those that seek him. To Peter at this time, the impossible was literally walking on water like Jesus did. But to us, the impossible that we could be asking God to help us attempt would be as simple as obeying his commands found in the Bible. Maybe it could be giving up a bad habit. Maybe someone you thought couldn't change. Maybe the impossible would be reconciling a broken relationship. Forgiving someone who hurt us, maybe that seemed impossible. Maybe finding food for our family, surviving a sickness, this pandemic, or maybe leading our families to God. Those maybe may seem impossible. Or maybe it could be maintaining integrity in our relationships and our transactions that seemed impossible in our time today. Or it could be upholding a godly testimony in our generation, being a follower of God in your workplace, in your family, or in a hostile environment might also seem impossible. This is where we see faith that overcomes fears as Peter would attempt to do the impossible with Jesus. Reading this, I was amazed at Peter during this time because of his boldness for our Lord. Like how I am always amazed with our church and how our leaders are always ready and willing to step out of their comfort zones to attempt new and great things for our Lord. I've seen and heard a lot of stories of how our church people, both the seen and unseen, are making a godly impact in their workplaces, in their families, in their communities, and in our church. We are sure that this 
is definitely difficult to do, but there are people whose faith is just bigger than their fears, and they are, they are willing to take the risk in order to follow and be with Jesus. Notice in verse 29, in this request, the response of Jesus was not to calm the storm, but he commanded Peter to go on to the boisterous waters with him. Jesus said, come. I could just imagine how suspenseful it was in the boat during that time as Peter perhaps slowly, step by step, walked towards the edge of the boat while violent winds were hampering him and rocking the boat and he lifted his leg and climbed out of the boat and placed his feet to test the waters. It must have felt surreal for Peter to do something like this. Then he showed remarkable faith and trust in Jesus. He did what everyone thought was impossible. He was able to walk on water. If I was there, I don't know if I would also try and do the same thing and jump into the water with Peter. Or if I would just be shocked as it is probably one of the coolest thing for one to witness or experience in a lifetime. Scientifically, it is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Someone understood it correctly when he said, don't just pray about what seems logical and possible. Pray hard about the impossible and God will show you that nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with Him ever. Our God can not only make Peter walk on water, He can also make the lame to walk again. He can cause the blind to see. He can make the sun stop. He can calm the raging sea. He can raise people back to life, divide the waters, Forgive the sinner, heal the sick. He can do anything he so desires because he's the God of the impossible and our response to him is to faithfully, allow, faithfully follow him. But this amazing experience of Peter will be interrupted in verse 30. Verse 30, it says, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. For the second time, Peter was afraid as soon as he took his focus off of Jesus and started looking at the strong, supposedly invisible winds and waves, he started to sink. Some people say that Peter lacked faith. They talk about how he was wrong. If only Peter did this and that. But when I was studying this passage, I realized that Peter's faith was actually admirable and commendable. Yes, he sank because he was the only one brave enough to step out of the boat and draw near to Jesus. And of all the disciples, he was the only one who experienced something spectacular such as this. No wonder Peter became one of the strongest, most influential disciples throughout church history because he followed God no matter the risk and he experienced God's power firsthand. Like Peter, when we follow the Lord in the impossible, there will be times that we will be off focus and start to sink. But let us remember that when we do so, God immediately reaches out to help and to save us. Being a follower of God does not mean that you won't fall or fail. It only means that Christ will catch you whenever you fall. As someone has said, when you feel that your life is sinking, we can choose to not be afraid because our lifeguard, the Lord Jesus Christ, walks on water. Though just a word of caution, 
Stepping out of faith does not mean that we can do anything without thinking it through. God has also given us wisdom, mature people, and experiences to use accordingly. And we are to align and balance our steps of faith with sound biblical principles as well. Interestingly, we find out in verse 32 that there is another miracle that is about to take place. As soon as they step into the boat again, the wind suddenly stopped as if to say, classroom session is over. The message communicated to the disciples, they get it. The God who is with them is their friend who is greater than all things and one who knows how to do the impossible. This experience became the crucial turning point in the lives of the disciples and as a response, for the very first time in their lives, they ascribe worship by recognizing Jesus with the full title, the Son of God, which referred to His divinity. This shows that praise and worship is always the result when one encounters Jesus. Faith that overcomes fear does not only show in our utmost obedience to Christ, but also shows in our response to Him. I hope that our response will always be to praise our Lord Jesus Christ. This same God who does the impossible is also with us today. The first two Scottish missionaries sent to New Hebrides Islands were killed and eaten by the cannibals on the day they arrived. After that incident, it proved difficult to find new missionary volunteers. But even when John Payton agreed to go, well-meaning people in the church tried to dissuade him. One elderly man warned that he would be eaten by cannibals. John Payton replied, I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our Redeemer. After 15 years of fruitful ministry, almost everyone on the island where John Payton ministered was converted. Following God is not a guarantee of an easy life, but we are called to live a life of obedience even if it meant giving up everything. As James Berry said, Don't, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers, but for powers equal to your task. Then the doing of your work shall be no miracle, but you shall be the miracle. Faith that overcomes our fears is a faith that responds to God's power, acknowledging that He rightfully deserves our utmost obedience and wholehearted worship. As we close, I believe this is not just a surreal moment for us to talk about I believe that God wants us to respond to Him like the disciples did. In order to overcome our fears, we need to recognize His presence and to faithfully, wholeheartedly trust and follow Him. In 1988, the Evening News reported on a photographer who was a skydiver. He had jumped from a plane along with numerous other skydivers and filmed the group as they fell and opened their parachutes. On the film shown on the telecast, as the final skydiver opened his parachute, the picture went berserk. The announcer reported that the cameraman had fallen to his death, having jumped out of the plane without his parachute. 
it wasn't until he reached for the absent ripcord that he realized that he was free-falling without a parachute. Until that point, the jump probably seemed exciting and fun, but tragically, he had acted with thoughtless haste and deadly foolishness. Nothing could save him, for his fate was in a parachute that was never buckled on. Faith in anything but an all-sufficient God can be just as tragic spiritually. Only faith in Jesus Christ can we dare step into the dangerous excitement of life. Our faith will only be greater than our fears when it is safely and rightfully anchored or buckled on our Lord Jesus Christ and balanced with the guidelines that are based on biblical principles. Friends, let our faith be bigger than our fears. Know that faith that overcomes our fears is a faith that recognizes God's divine wisdom, believing that He knows where you are. It is a faith that relies on God's divine care and protection, trusting that He comes to you at His right timing. It is a faith that rests on God's divine presence, realizing that His presence with us is the basis for us to carry on, even in the midst of life's most terrifying situations. And it is a faith that responds to God's divine power, acknowledging that He rightfully deserves our utmost obedience and wholehearted worship. Let us not settle in the boring, the normal, the ordinary, and safe, but may the Lord empower and nurture the kind of faith in us that wholeheartedly follows the Lord, even in the seemingly impossible challenges so that we too can witness not only the impossible tasks that are being done, but also we can experience our hearts being transformed to cultivate the kind of faith that overcomes our fears. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who is not bound by the impossible. We thank you that in joy and in the good times, in fear and in uncertainties, in every circumstance, you stay with us. Remind us to never settle for the ordinary, the common, the familiar, but to nurture the kind of faith that is bold enough to follow you even in the unfamiliar, even in the unknown, even in the impossibilities. Help us nurture a faith that overcomes our fears, a faith that is safely anchored in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Music